Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast brought to you by Speaker Hub. In this special series, we interview speaking experts on how to navigate the coronavirus as a professional speaker. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ahoy and welcome to a special edition of World of Speakers where we are talking with three of, I would say, the most prolific, profound, amazing, and surprisingly insightful people in this world who talk about customer service. And we're talking about CX, customer service for speakers. And this is a special episode because the world has changed, people. Pre-COVID-19 is not the same as post-COVID-19, and it's a reality we have to face as speakers. So we're going to cut right to the chase. We've got Shep Hyken, who has all of these people are, are alumni on the show. Shep Hyken, he is amazing. He is, let's say he is now be careful. The godfather of customer service. <laughs> be careful. The, the God, yeah, the godfather of customer service. Okay. The godfather. <laughs> it's better than grandfather, by the way. <laughs> and then we have Mary Drummond, who is, I would say, the Olympian when it comes to customer service and, and her specialty is in lifting weights. All of her customers jump up and she deadlifts them. Absolutely. And then you've got the Merlin of experience because Dan Gingis is all about his experience this podcast and his experience this LinkedIn post and his experience everything because he teaches you. This, the experience guy. The experience guy. I like <laughs> it. I think Merlin is an interesting. I call him the maven. Oh, the maven. <laughs> the maven. <laughs> All right, so we have the maven, we have the godfather, and we have an Olympian here when it comes to CX for speakers. Now, let's jump right into this. What the heck is CX for speakers, and why should we care? Let's start with the godfather. Wow. Well, let's put it this way. I think the customer experience for our clients is this. How easy are we to work with? We need to be super easy, and I'll tell you why. I have seen contracts from speakers to clients that are filled with all types of clauses and things that throw up red flags and it causes the client to send this to their legal department. Now, most contracts go to the legal department anyway, and when it comes back, they add all kinds of information in from their side, but it really becomes disruptive when you send it to a client and now they're trying to change the agreement. That's just one example. Being easy is showing up early. You know, that means you don't let the meeting planner or the client worry whether or not you're going to be there. Talking to them every step of the way if your flight's late so they know what's going on. Everything you can do to be convenient and easy for your customer, that's what CX is. Okay, so I love that as a simple definition, which is easy to work with. But you mentioned things like your flights and showing up on time. And we're now in a, we're in the midst of it, but as a post COVID-19 world, how does that translate to today? Do you show up early to the webinar or is it your, like, what are some of those easy applications to come across in today's world? Sure. Well, when, when I was a kid, I did magic shows and I remember I was getting so good at doing my magic shows on a Saturday, I could book four birthday parties, one right after the other. I'd be ready in 60 seconds or less. I put the props away exactly where they needed to be for the next show. So I was doing four or five even on a Saturday. And my dad says, what time do you show up for these shows? Let's say you've got one at one o'clock. I said, like, you know, just a few minutes before one. He says, at what point does the parent of this little child that you're going to entertain and his friends or her friends, when do they start looking at their watch, wondering if you're going to show up? And I said, mm. oh, maybe 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, he goes, exactly. So you need to be there at least 20 minutes early or they're going to think you're late. 
And it's like the old Vince Lombardi, you know, what he used to tell us, the football coach would tell his players, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, basically. And I think it's disrespectful. And it also puts our clients under stress if they don't know what's going on and where we are. So don't be on time. Be early. I like this. Yeah. There you go. And that can translate to this new digital world. Now, Mary, what would you like to add to the definition of CX and how that translates to a post-COVID-19 world? You know, most of my experience with speaking is podcasting anyway. So I'm very much digital already. So not much is changing for me post-COVID-19 in that sense. But I do agree with Shep that being early is being on time. Because if you're scheduled to start on the hour, then you need at least, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes to set up, given the technical difficulties, even just some of the stuff that we experienced today already set us back a couple minutes, right? So I feel grateful whenever my podcast guests show up at least five minutes early, because it it gives me that peace of mind that if we have to run over, it's not going to interfere with the next appointment. It's it's not going to interfere with somebody's call or someone's schedule. 20 minutes for me would not work out because normally I'm busy right up until 10, 15 minutes to the hour. But I do think it's respectful to be there at least five minutes before, for sure. Interesting. And for those that don't know Mary and her company, her company is Worthix, and she really helps people understand from a customer service side if it's worth it or not. And you really have to, like, I ever since I met you, Mary, I keep thinking to myself, is this worth it or am I being worth it to my clients? But really, like, at the end of the day, being a speaker in this new digital age, you have to not be just good. You have to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Dan, how do you see customer service in a speaking world? Because I know you do a lot of speaking both digitally and traditionally on stage. But why, as a speaker, do we need to focus on this new era in a customer service lens? Well, I actually look at it as the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, in the speaking industry, we're really a B2B to C industry because we have our own clients who are the ones that are hiring us, the companies, the event planners. But we also have the people in the audience that we are talking to or that we are doing a workshop with or, or we're consulting with. And those are our customers as well, because at the end of the day, if they're happy, then they make the event planner look good. And if the event planner looks good, they hire us again. And so I think it's really important that we keep in mind that there's two different constituencies. It also just so happens, ironically, that all three of us talk about customer service and customer experience. That's our topic, right? We're not talking about other business things, marketing or whatever. And so I think it's really important that we practice what we preach. And some of that is, you know, what Shep was saying about being on time, etc. But also, I try to do that even when I'm on stage as I try to create an experience that people are going to remember. I know that Shep does that as well, because he's a terrific magician. And it's supposed to be subtle, right? But people are supposed to take away the concept of, hey, do as I do, not just as I say. And I actually practice what I preach as well. One other thing that I wanted to go back to, which Shep mentioned about contracts. So one of the segments that we have a lot of fun with on our experience, this podcast is called Required Remarkable. And this is about finding the parts of your business that are required. And usually those parts are boring. And it can be contracts. It can be welcome letters. It can be legal disclaimers. Usually it somehow involves the legal department. And those two are opportunities to provide an experience for people that is unexpected, 
right? A contract that's got some fun language in it, or that's even got a fun logo or icon on it. One of my favorite stories that I love to share is a company out of Asia called iFlix, which is a, a Netflix competitor. And at the bottom of all of their corporate emails, their disclosure starts in all caps with the words covering our butts. And what I love about that is that it gets everyone to read the legal disclosure, which the rest of the disclosure is hilarious as well. But it actually makes the lawyers happy because that's what they want. They want people to read this stuff, but no one reads it because it's terribly boring. Okay, so here's a little popcorn in this section about some of these really low hanging fruits to make what is maybe not so exciting, something that could be remarkable. So Shep talked about being early. Dan, you just talked about contracts. What are some other things that you can think of that now we can really, if you're a speaker and you're listening, you're like, wow, how do I make that remarkable in this new age? So here's something we're doing that's really fun and our clients are loving it. And it's, we take the traditional, what I call content calls. So you have your pre-booking call, which is prior to the client saying, yes, I want to hire you. Oftentimes they'll want to talk to you. And so we've got that set up and we ask questions and we hopefully get them interested in that. Next, the contract is sent. And now we're about a month to six weeks out and it's time to work on the content. And here's what I tell my clients. We can have a very traditional content call. I have a pre-programmed questionnaire. I've sent it to you. We can go through those questions, but I've got a better idea. I bet you know exactly what you want that audience to learn from whatever it is that I'm talking about up on stage. So why don't we do what I call the reverse podcast? It's about 15 or 20 minutes long. And basically we're going to get on and I'm going to record a podcast and it's going to be you asking me questions just as if you were interviewing me and you wanted your audience to hear this. Now, this is what's going to happen. Number one, I'm going to learn exactly what you want me to talk about. And I'm going to give you really short answers and I'll expand on them when I'm on my, in my speech. Number two, you're going to take this recording that I send you when we're finished and you're going to send it to everybody before I get there so they know who I am and what I'm going to talk about. And that's how we're going to do this. And guess what happens? A one hour content call gets cut down to about 15, 20 minutes because it just kind of cuts through me having to ask a bunch of questions to really get to the essence. They think about what they want to interview me on ahead of time. And it's a beautiful thing. Bam. It sounds super empathetic on your behalf to do that. I think that does make a difference there for the people who are hiring you to speak. So, you know, I think that I'm in a different position than all three of you, which is that I'm a vendor. So when I'm on stage, I'm there not only representing myself and, you know, whichever company I'm getting on stage for, but I'm also representing my product. And that puts me in a sticky situation because everybody's expecting me to get up there and do some sort of sales pitch and they're all preparing their snoozes. Mm. So on my behalf, there are two things that I try to do. One of them is to get to know some people in the audience, understand who my key people are. And I do this by doing some research in advance you know, looking at the guest list, finding out who my target is in the audience. And I speak specifically to them when I'm on stage. And that helps give me someone to kind of bounce off of and gauge how they feel about what I'm putting out there. And it's, for me at least, it's helpful because instead of trying to understand how everybody is reacting, I'm focusing on these key people and I keep my eyes on them when I'm up there because, you know, when you're on stage and you look at it, that like that sea of people, it's pretty daunting, especially for those of us who haven't been doing it, you know, for 20 plus years, like Shep and stuff. 
So, you know, that's kind of my thing. I picture my audience, every single person in the audience as being a key person that I'm trying to get through to. And I keep my eyes on them, on their reactions. I call out to them when I'm on stage. I've seen you do that, Shep. You've done it to me. You've seen me at the back of the auditorium and you're like, hey, Mary Drummond. And the truth is, I think it makes everybody in the stage feel like you've got a personal connection with all of us. That's really great. And I've seen Dan do some amazing things on stage as well, which is finding some way to speak to people once they leave the event. So either with a piece of paper or a QR code or something that you can then follow up and somehow become a part of their lives once that presentation is done. I think that makes a huge difference as well. Well, actually, thanks, Mary, because I wanted to jump in. What I was going to say was actually related to what Mary just mentioned is one of the required parts of a speech is often doing a, a Q&A of some sort. And one of the things that I changed over the last few months, which I think has worked really, really well, is I now very politely ask that I not do a Q&A from stage and that I do it afterwards. And I go out into the hallway or depending on where we are, I can stay right off the stage and I'll stand there for as long as it takes to answer everybody's question one-on-one. And I know Mary uh, saw me, uh, I think it was last year at Social Media Marketing World. I was out in the hallway for longer than my actual speech. I was yeah. there for over an hour. But those are all people that I've now, well, you know, pre-COVID-19, I shook hands with them. Now I would have probably elbow bumped with them. <laughs> I've exchanged business cards. I've established a relationship with them. And I've provided them with individual value because I did get a chance to answer their question even if it was about the casket making industry, I'm more than happy to answer that question one-on-one. I just don't want to bore everybody else with it. And so that's an example of what I think is a required piece of, of our product, of our service, and do it in a different way that leaves people all, I think, happier and more fulfilled. Okay, so here's the $64,000 question. These strategies, being early, looking at people from the quote-unquote stage and understanding every single person as important as a possible sale making sure that you realize it's not just stage time that's important, it's the full experience so you can stay for just as long as your talk afterwards talking with people. We're still using the vocabulary of stage and live audience. So my question to you, and you can answer with an audible yes or no on the count of three, do all of these things translate to a digital presentation? Yes. Yes. So for me, the real takeaway here is that, you know, Dan, what you said about the more things change, the more they stay the same. I love that because you're giving us the same advice that we would know pre-COVID-19. And this is post-COVID-19. And it's you still have to focus on those fundamentals and make your experience for the audience remarkable. So that's refreshing. I want to transition. I want to bring everybody into the world of how, as a speaker, how do we customer service bureaus, event planners, in this new, crazy digital world? Well, like with anything customer service, customer experience, it's going to start with empathy. So we have to take a moment and realize that being an event planner, being a speaker's bureau right now is not a real fun business to be in. Just like being a speaker right now is not a real fun business to be in, right? And so starting with empathy and you know, starting with the fact, hey, I know things must be really difficult right now. Is there anything I can do to help? And that may be, I mean, really any litany of things, but really don't come in the door looking for a sale, more come in looking for a relationship and really understanding that they're going through very, very difficult times as well. And businesses are slowing to a halt. 
I don't think that um, bureaus and speakers agents were prepared for a move to digital either. And so they're trying to rethink their business as it pertains to people moving digital. A lot of speakers that I know charge less for digital. And so therefore, the whole revenue model is different, especially if you're paying a commission. So the point is, is just to understand that these are humans as well. They're having business issues. They're at home probably you know, with their families, maybe with kids and stressing out just like we are. I keep telling people that uh, you know, fending off two teenagers in order to try to get work done has become my new daily challenge. And so if I can relate to somebody else who might be going through the same thing, that establishes a nice personal relationship. Yeah. My suggestion would be to keep your message fresh. It seems, you know, most speakers already have their planned speech. They already know how to do it well. But there's always a way to modify that message so that it resonates with what the world is going through today. And I think that that works on stage as much as it does for digital content and even for podcasts, which is my case. You know, I recently shuffled around the order of my entire season, drove my co-producer, drove my editor, drove my graphic designer crazy And, you know, they had all this pushback, but Mary, the guests are going to freak out. We're going to have to redesign everything. And my response was, look, as customer experience professionals, our number one job is to think about the experience of our listeners. What does our listener want to hear right now? They want to hear something that's relative. So if we're able to make the changes that we need to make, make the sacrifices on our end in order to keep our message fresh and on top of of what's going on and and keeping it up with the speed of change of not only the market, but of the world, then that will make the experience that much more relatable, like Dan said, to our audience. So it doesn't mean changing everything entirely, but it means modifying a couple things, adding a quip here or there, adding a story or even something about what we're going through at that moment that will help create that empathetic connection with the people that are at home listening to us. Brilliant. Shep, what do you think? How can we customer service bureaus and event planners in today's day and age, understanding that we're being empathetic and we're keeping things fresh? What else? Uh, first of all, I want to separate the audiences that we're talking about here, or the customers that we're talking about, excuse me. Uh, the bureau is completely different than the meeting planner. However, many of these things do cross over. Number one, I want you to think of yourself, if you're the speaker who's out there talking to either clients or bureaus, you need to be a beacon of hope versus pessimism and fear. There's a lot of fear right now, and that fear turns sometimes into anger and frustration and behaviors that we don't like. So as speakers, we're looked, I guess, up to as a way of saying, hey, show me the way, and most of us do. Number two, and I think we've talked about this already, go digital versus on stage. We need to offer alternatives. And the quickest alternative we as speakers have pivoted to is the ability to present our programs virtually, hoping that they'll keep us on the program just in a virtual sense since they're not going to have the live meeting. I do believe in the future, by the way, there will still be plenty of meetings for us to work. Virtual will be supplementative and an additive to what it is. So offer alternatives, find different ways. Also, not just necessarily the typical traditional speech or webinar or whatever. Can you do something different? Number three, this is the opportunity for us to stay connected in a way that just says, hey, I'm just thinking about you. 
I love to use video, short little individual videos. I use bombbomb.com video. If you, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B. If you've not used it before, check it out. If you want to put a forward slash Shep sent me behind it, they give me a free month. Isn't that exciting? But wait, 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 wait. Do we actually put a forward slash Shep or a forward slash Shep sent me to Shep sent me? You put bombbomb.com forward slash Shep sent me. Okay. <laughs> and uh, no, they've got some kind of a, if you're a speaker and you're not using video to connect because an email is one thing, but when they see you and they look at your eyes and they, they look, Hey, I'm at home. I love saying, Hey, I'm at home. Check out this painting behind me. You know, you can have fun with that one. <laughs> But don't sell, just connect. It's an opportunity to build relationships. I think Dan said it. I look at us as an opportunity to be a partner, not just a vendor. Now, number four, about two, three, four months, actually about a year ago, I started telling my team, we're going to hit a recession. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to hit us because we can't ride this wave of great economic growth. So, well, little did I know that the pandemic would cause that to happen, like not slowly where we can see it was coming, but like we hit a freaking brick wall. All right. So uh, if you haven't planned ahead, you've now learned. One of my favorite lines is Noah built the ark before the flood. Okay. (laughs) So think about that. And I've got two more. Number five, I want you to think about gratitude. And we have a lot to complain about right now. You know, I guess it's those were the good old days. And I've been talking about this now for about a week or two. The good old days were just two months ago when we complained about politics, the traffic on the way to wherever, the crowded planes, and I didn't get my seat. You know, what I would give to complain (laughs) about my seat right now. (laughs) You know, so, but when we get back to normal and we will get back to normal, we are going to be so much more appreciative for all of the things that we had. And now that we know we have, and I think that's important. Finally, as speakers, I really want you to think about this because so many people listening to this show, it's speakers, and we're talking to our, our bureaus and talking to our clients. We have an opportunity. As things have slowed down, we can come out of this thing better positioned than we ever were before. I am doing more social media. I'm creating more video. I have time to do it. And the team is on board, my team. I have a little team that helps me do all this. So think about what you can do to position yourself better. The other day, I did something I've never done before. I did a bed talk. I, I don't know. Dan, you probably saw this, but you've heard of the TED Talk. Stand on a stage in front of a lot of people with a really relevant message. You get 20 <laughs> minutes to talk. It's very scripted and perfectly done. Well, this is a bed talk. And my buddy Stan Phelps and his co-author of his book came up with this idea The rules, only one rule is the same. It has to be relevant and a good message. Otherwise, it's five minutes or less. It's unscripted, and you do it from your bedroom. I love that. It's a bed talk. (laughs) And I challenge my speaker friend here to do a bed talk. I like that. Yeah, I kind of want to start my own independently organized organization. Can I do a BedX talk? (laughs) I think so. We'll franchise. (laughs) Can we, should we, is there a hashtag? Do we do hashtag bed talk? How can we? Hashtag bed talk. All right. It's happening. Hashtag bed talk. Yep. All right. So I want to hear final comments from Mary and then from Dan, and then I'm going to bring it home. We are rock and roll. We have packed a lot of insights into this special edition of post COVID-19 world for speakers and a quick shout out to Speaker Hub. I believe all of you are on it. And, you know, it's just one more place to be found. But now is a time where we need to be connected digitally. 
and it's a marketplace for speakers to find and get deals, whether they're digital or not. All right, Mrs. Mary, that was my little plug for our sponsor. Tell me what your final thoughts are and what is the future? What does the future hold for podcasting and for speaking digitally? What do you think? Well, I'm going to start off by saying this too shall pass. And I do believe it. I do think that this is going to reshape the world in many ways. This will definitely change the landscape of leaders and losers and totally shift it because the truth is that the playing field has been kind of leveled where everyone is having to hustle and scramble and what everyone was used to doing is no longer possible. So you're seeing a lot of people moving and you know you only fall off the bike if you stop pedaling. So you got to pedal and you got to try new things and you got to come up with new ways and there is opportunity every time there is a crisis there's opportunity to find something new and an opportunity to create something. So what Shep was saying a couple minutes ago is absolutely right. This is the time, you know, we're always complaining about not having time, all these things that we wish we had time to do, but we can't do. So let's maybe instead of freaking out because we're not getting business, it's, it's not going to change right now, you know? So take a step back and use this moment to do the things that we never have time to do. Restructure, rethink, come up with a new keynote, come up with a new product, come up with a new podcast. I don't know, but take this time to look inside and try to create something that's new, that's relevant, which may be an opportunity. You don't need to start off big, start off small. If it works, keep going. If it doesn't work, then at least you tried something new. I think that what customers are looking for from the companies that they do business with right now is calm and confidence. And the reality is, at least in the US, we're not seeing calm and confidence from the federal government. We're not seeing it from the media. We need to find it somewhere. And I think as business owners or as consultants to business people, it's really a critical moment for us to show calm and confidence and to help our customers through a really difficult time. I think that this pandemic has actually, if it was possible to make customer experience more important, I think it actually did. I think there has never been a better time than right now to be focused on customer experience. And that is in every industry. And certainly it applies to the speaking industry as well. But it also applies to all of the people that we speak in front of and all of their businesses. And so I think that the real opportunity is who is going to stand out at this moment of crisis, at this moment when everybody's emotions are on high, when everybody's nervous and worried about the future, which companies are going to stand out and provide value and provide that stability and confidence that we as humans are looking for? Or are you going to be that company that sent me the same email 100 times over about the CDC website and all the cleaning things that you're doing around your building? Right, You go one way or the other, and I think a ton of companies went the wrong direction. And then some of them have done some really, really cool stuff that have made me even more confident as a consumer to do business with them going forward. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this has been a lot of fun. I now want to know, how do we contact you and where do we go to get more information and insights from you? Mr. Godfather of CX, where's the best place to get you and find more info? Hiken.com is the website. I'm on Twitter at Hiken, YouTube. My first name, Shep.tv or ShepTV.com, either one. So many different ways. I'm on 
Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll make sure to put a, a show link into your show here on the World of Speakers. Mary, where might one find you on the web? Twitter is kind of where I am right now. Twitter and Instagram. You can always find me on LinkedIn and worthix.com. I run that place. That's my home. So you can find me there as well. Nice. I got the mug. And then Dan, how do people find you, the experience, this show and all the amazing things you're doing? Uh, well, you can hit me up at dangingis.com. That's D-A-N-G-I-N-G-I-S-S. I'm also on Twitter at dgingis, Instagram at the same, LinkedIn. And then you can get to the Experience This Show either via my website or at experiencethisshow.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been totally fun. I hope you got as much out of this as I did. Check the show notes. Connect with these folks. They're amazing. It's my honor to have you guys on the show, and I really appreciate the time. And I'm sure we will see you or tweet you later. And I'm going to work on my bed talk. Hashtag bed talk. Ladies and gentlemen, we can all get through this. Be empathetic. Be calm. Keep those pedals going and ride your bike to the top of whatever mountain you want. Because when you're down, there's only uphill to go. Adios. Adios.